Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode and very excited that we have a guest today, Drew Carter, somebody I actually met through our entrepreneur network, YPO. Welcome to the show. Great. Thank you, Jean. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, First question I always ask our guests is tell us a little bit about your background and how your background got to where you are now. So I started out life as a software engineer. I became a software architect and I worked at places like Disney World, where if you've taken kids or maybe just adults to Disney World and used the magic bands, I was the architect that makes that all that technology work. And uh, I was building software for things like that. And I got into artificial intelligence engines and predictive modeling pretty early in my career and did that for about 15 years. And um, so I I ended up building models where we could predict, for example, what employees are going to quit your company. And we could, we could get really super accurate, like 99% accurate, you know, Gene's going to quit within the next four months. But then clients inevitably would say, thank you. This is great. Now, what do I do about it? And uh, I was like, I don't, I don't know. The math sort of runs out of juice at Gene's going to quit. Like, I, I don't really have a lot of tools there. So I became kind of a hobbyist in behavioral science. And uh, started reading a lot there to try to figure out how we could have a more formulaic, a more systematic approach to behavior, which is like the the most difficult or slippery of of all the things you can study, I think. So uh, I did that. And then I started a company and we helped clients go through this digital transformation using all these tools. It was really successful. And I was offered a, a job to run a company that ran all the software behind the largest customer loyalty applications in the world, like Marriott Bonvoy and Southwest Rapid Rewards. So I did that and and we had a lot of success there and it was great. And so as I was looking at customer loyalty, I thought, you know, this is working, creating a lot of value. But when I look over at what I call employee loyalty, there's not the same value. And so I started doing a little research there. I was looking into this idea of employee loyalty and for more than a decade, engagement, uh, retention, all the kind of metrics around employees have been going down, even before the pandemic. So in 2020, a partner and I created our company, Whistle, to try to take the coolness, customer loyalty, and the value that it creates and apply it to businesses in what we call employee loyalty. Okay. Lot to unpack there, but thank you for the background. What is Whistle? So Whistle is sort of realization of that goal. Uh, Whistle is an employee loyalty platform. And at its core, the most differentiated part of our platform is the ability for anyone in the world to send kind of a a reward to an employee in, in a moment. So when I was at my previous company, I processed billions of dollars of employee rewards and recognition, incentives, and things like that. The last mile, so just getting the reward into the hands of the person took a long time. 
And so I was, I was doing some research into that. And what I found was the timing of recognizing someone is the most important aspect. So have you, Gene, have you ever uh, potty trained a puppy? I have. Yes, I do have yeah, two dogs. One of them was a puppy when I got him. Okay. So you, you probably know you have a really short window of time when the puppy pees on the rug in order to potty train it, you have to react immediately. You know, if you come back a minute later and, you know, speak sternly or give him a little pat on the nose, the puppy's like, what, why are you doing that? What did I do wrong? (laughs) Yeah. Like, where'd you, where'd you come from? And people are, are similar. We're not puppies or anything like that, but if you're going to tell someone, hey, great job, you got to do it right now. And so what we do is make that possible. We take away all the friction uh, and make it easy for a manager or anybody else to say, hey, Gene, I caught you doing something great. And I want to say thank you right now. And you can do that using our app. And what kind of rewards is it? Is it like physical rewards, like gifts or like gamification rewards? Well, you know, physical would be cool, but it's hard to do that in in a moment's notice. So what we do is cash. And so what, what we actually do is we allow you to say something like, hey, I'd like to buy you a cup of coffee, Gene. Like I saw you just do a second shift uh, and I, I, I know you're walking out to the parking lot. It's going to be a long day. So let me buy you a cup of coffee. And so you can use our app to immediately send something where I say, Gene, here's a cup of coffee from Drew. But what you really get is eight bucks. And so you can go buy the Starbucks if you want, buy a cup of coffee. Or if you're like, man, coffee really isn't my jam. That's not what I want. You can spend it wherever. So you get the flexibility of cash with the you know instantaneous recognition and the kind of emotional connection of, I think you'd like coffee, but if you don't, that's cool. Yeah, there's that, that's a really good point. And so what what's the big problem that Whistle is solving for? So there's there were what we think are three big problems in this idea of employee loyalty. The first one is uh, most companies and their software, their HR systems are set up from decades past. And they're basically oriented around every year, at the end of the year, I'm going to give you maybe a bonus, uh, maybe a raise, uh, perhaps a performance review. And every few years, I'll consider you for a promotion. But in the research we've done, employees want weekly or at least monthly feedback. And if you think about the kind of typical millennial who wants just tons of feedback, it's, it's sort of like that. But really, most people want more frequent feedback. So there's a disconnect there where companies are kind of set up on this annual basis and, and employees want something much more frequent. The second challenge is HR systems. When, when If you think, Gene, about, you know, I don't know the last time you were onboarded to a new company, but the typical experience is super antiseptic. And it's sort of like, you know, I like to compare business to dating in this semi-inappropriate way, but it's sort of like you've asked somebody to go out on a date. You found the person and the person said, yes, I'd love to go on a date with you. You say, great. If you compare this to, you know, hiring a new person, what would happen is you say, great, let's go on this date. I won't talk to you for four weeks, but then I'm going to show up at your door. And then I'm going to show up at your door. And the first thing I'm going to say is, well, here's going to happen if this goes badly, right? It's just not the experience you'd want to create. So the the whole way HR systems are set up, it's for administrative efficiency, but they're not set up to make people feel welcome and wanted. And so the third challenge is this idea of culture. So uh, typically, 
some some executive in a company says, you know, I really want to focus on our culture. Let's do something nice. So I'm going to, gosh, let's take everyone to Top Golf. And, you know, like 20% of the people are like, yes, that is right up my alley. That's awesome. Let's go to Top Golf. And the other people are like, I don't know how to play golf. I don't want to do that. Why do we have to do what you want to do? So when I joined my last company, I was I was hired in as president from the outside. And I said, hey, could we do something nice for all the employees? They don't know me. Just kind of a nice to see you kind of thing. And my HR department said, yeah, no problem. We got it. So three weeks later, everybody, 1,500 people received a size men's medium t-shirt in the mail. And I was like, man, so close, so close, but really so far away. So when you have this, this idea, when you're trying to drive culture, but it's kind of driven by this top down, let's do what the most senior executive wants to do or has an idea of, it just ends up sort of failing for most of the population. So those are the, those are the challenges and whistle solves all of those. We, we make it easy for, we make a great experience. We make it really easy to do frequently and we make it easy to kind of push out that control and autonomy instead of one central person owning everything, you can push it out to the edge of your business so that you know every branch manager in a bank or a location leader can, could get a budget, could recognize their people, could do things like that. That's what we do. By the way, it's been a very long time since I've been onboarded. I've, you know, having right. a business, you become unemployable. And the <laughs> last time I was onboarded was like, a, like a 12 years ago, I think. So <laughs> right. probably a much different experience than what millennials are going through at this point. Uh, yeah. Does this, this whistle work in all, in all parts of the world or only U.S.? So you, I can send, if I have a, somebody working in the Philippines, I can still send them cash in the Philippines or yeah. India? Or... It's a great question. So the, uh, the answer is yes, we can send money anywhere in the world. Today, we can only send it for companies that are based in the U.S. There's all sorts of banking regulations, anti-money laundering and stuff like that, that we are subject to. So we are allowed to send stuff on behalf of U.S.-based companies. But we have a number of companies that have subsidiaries or offshore people around the world, and we send rewards and stuff to them, but we can't work with companies that are based out of the U.S. Oh, do you think that'll ever change in the future? Yeah, well, that will change. We just, as we grow, we will establish the regulatory approval in other jurisdictions. That's just, you know, the growing pains of a small company. Right, right, right. And so does, you mentioned like playing top golf, right? And that sounds like a more of an in-person type of, you know, if you're going to the office every day or, or like three days a week. What about for remote companies? How does that work? Yeah, and remote actually is is the best example. So we have, I mean, the idea is our solution is perfect for a remote or even hybrid team. And one of our clients is a good example. They're in San Francisco Bay Area, technology company, and they were rewarding their people by sending them Grubhub sort of coupons. And one of the things they brought to us, so they, they, they started to get frustrated because what they realized was... For every $100 they gave out, guess how much food or value their employees got out of the 100 Uh 50 bucks. 40 Huh. So, right? $60. More than half the money was spent on the fees and then this and then that. And so the other challenge was not everybody accepts Grubhub. So they were having employees that were like, well, this thing expires tomorrow. I guess I'll order 
a gallon of ice cream for $35 and I'll just eat that. And so no one is having a good experience. So for, for remote teams, it's even better because like I said, you could, you can send something to someone that says, Hey, Gene, I know you're out in Phoenix or Dallas as it were, but you know, I'd like to treat you like you were here. If, if you were here, we could go to lunch or do something else. But since you're there, bang, I can use this app with three clicks. I could buy you lunch. And part of what's fun is, let's say I send you 40 bucks for lunch. Whatever you don't spend comes right back into my account. Awesome. So yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. We have, our, we have clients using it for remote teams all over the US and it works really well. And it's super cost efficient because of that function where whatever's not spent doesn't get wasted. Because today, you know, the alternatives like gift cards and things right. like that, about 20 or 25% of those go through what's called breakage, where if they expire, no one gets value. The middleman who sold those to you takes that as profit, huh. which doesn't feel very good. I have, I have looked into gift cards and found that 46% of gift cards are not used. So almost 50%. And like, I still have gift cards from years ago. They're probably expired at this point. Uh, so Isn't I, it? I can... I got a gift card in the last year. I bought a new phone from AT&T and I can't even remember why, but they gave me a $200 gift card. And I thought, okay, sure. I pulled it out recently. It just like, I happened to see it in my wallet. I was like, oh, great. I'm going to buy dinner or something with it. And it had expired. And it was so frustrating. I think, I think I was more frustrated the thing had expired than if I'd never been given it at all. I was like, somehow this feels like you've taken money from me, <laughs> even though it was free to begin with. So- We've talked a lot about what what your guys are doing at Whistle. So what do you think is the biggest challenge in the industry? I mean, besides just people leaving companies and, and looking for greener pastures. Yeah, so we do a lot of surveys um, and uh, we provide surveys on our platform. So a number of our clients use them. There's some standard proprietary surveys that we give out to our clients. And what we find is, we adapted Maslow's hierarchy of needs to the employee because I used to run the voice of employee survey and I'd get all these metrics, like a thousand metrics. And it was very hard to figure out what to make of that. Is this good or bad? What am I supposed to do to make this better? So we adapted Maslow's hierarchy of needs to get a more precise measurement of what's working and what's not, and where do you need attention? So what we found was if, if you have a company that, that where people are leaving in the first six months, what you've got is a problem where people don't feel safe uh, psychologically, physically, or financially, or they don't understand what their job is. And, and that kind of attrition is different than if you have people leaving after a year, like between one and three years, those people are leaving because they don't feel valued and appreciated in general. And then the people who leave after three years typically don't see a career path. So what we've got is like three different kinds of need states. And uh, a lot of folks, a lot of our clients will say things like, hey, I've got hourly workers and they will leave for 25 cents more an hour. And I, I hear this and my pushback is very few people leave a company for money. They might take more money, but that wasn't the catalyst to go look around. They go look around because they're not getting something. Their bucket isn't being filled. And typically it's, they're not being filled in, in an appreciation way. I hear, I hear employees say things like, I don't feel respected at work. I don't feel appreciated or valued. 
And, and that's actually the reason they start working I and mean, they start looking and then they find a job that pays more. And so when you come and ask them, well, why'd you leave? They say, well, this place pays more. That's not really why they started looking. So it's that value and appreciation. And, and the interesting thing is, I think managers know, hey, I, I know I need to appreciate my people more, but there's this Eisenhower box where you have things that are important and things that are timely. So I do all the things that must be done right now. But the things that I kick down the road are things that I don't have to do today, but I should, which is like appreciating your team. I know I should do it in general, but nothing bad happens if I don't do it today because it's a hassle. So that's what I think the hassle factor or that friction where managers don't have a super simple, easy tool to do what they know they need to do, I think is the biggest problem. Right. That's that's so true. Uh, I feel like that's I think maybe one of the reasons I left the corporate world is because of that reason. It's you don't really feel appreciated. I mean, very grateful that I became an entrepreneur because it taught me a lot of things that I probably would have never been, that I never would have learned had I stayed in the corporate world. So it's like, you know, it's a double-edged sword being an entrepreneur, as you know. And I think a lot of yeah. people who are listening to this podcast know, but I think that's one of the reasons why I did leave the corporate world is like, I just didn't feel appreciated. And again, things were a little bit different back 15, 10 years ago when, you know, when I was still working at a, like a corporate type of scenario, but I, I can totally understand that. That's, I mean, it's changed a lot. And when you don't well, feel appreciated, you just want to, you don't want to be there. That's right. And I agree. Probably everybody here and everybody on your podcast had a, a job at some point and now, you know, runs or owns a company. So we're all happy we made the transition. And yet I want all my employees to stay as employees, right? I mean, I want them to self-actualize and do great things, but gosh, I sure would like for them to do it at my company because I spend so much money on finding them and training them and, you know, all the benefits and perks and all that, that I want them to stay. So uh, I agree with you for, for some of us, we can start companies and do great things. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, we can do small things that can help our employees feel like they're, they're really being appreciated so that they stay and they thrive too. The name of our company is called Whistle because as we were thinking about what we wanted to do, we wanted to create a scenario where everyone whistles while they work. So that's where we came from. I love that. I love that name. So last question is you've been involved with work and people and employees and appreciation. What, and with all these changes going on, we offline, we were talking about AI and technology. So what do you, between AI and technology and bots taking over our jobs, or maybe not, what do you think is the future of work? Yeah, I think the future of work, gosh, it has so many different angles. There's there's the gig economy, right? With more people saying, you know, I don't want this sort of 40 hour a week job. I want a much more flexible deal. So there, there's that, that we're kind of getting our arms around. I think there's remote work and God, there's so much controversy, I guess, about are people more productive working from home or less productive? And uh, so I think in general, the, the future of work will include a ton of change. And, you know, I referred earlier to a lot of the systems we have were set up like in the 80s. And so just they've worked fine year to year. I think a lot of those are going to have to change and, and they're going to change. It's, you know, it feels a little bit like Netflix and Blockbuster where Blockbuster said, well, this business model has worked for years and years and years. Why would it fall down now? And, uh, and that all is true until it, it then does fall down. So I think there's going to be a lot of change with 
the way employers engage with employees. And I think I talked to some number of business owners that say, you know, I'm tired of all these prima donna employees. Like they're lucky to have a job. They need just to zip it and get the work done. And I think they're wrong. I think that there's too much momentum behind employees saying, no, I want this to work differently. And there's enough companies that say, well, I will work differently with you. We're probably not going to do five days a week working from home, you know, as a general rule. But I think there's going to be more working from home. There's going to be more, you know, non 40 hours a week, just less traditional work year by year. And then depending on the job you're in, I think AI will replace a lot of task level work. So the trick there for your staff is going to be, how do I continue to upskill my staff so that you don't have to do that kind of uh, redundant or repetitive work that an AI engine can do for you? Great. So what do I want you to do? What's the higher level thinking that I can have you do? And that'll be probably, oof, that'll be, a, it's coming on fast. And that'll probably be a constant source of like, leadership needs to lean into that to figure out how to help upskill their team, I think. Great. Great. This has been a great conversation. I'm, I really appreciate your thoughts on, well, your example, what the future of work we're gonna, it's going to look like, but also, you know, your company and how you're supporting that. So last question is, how can our audiences get in touch with you or your company? Yeah. So especially anybody in your audience, Gene, is welcome to ping me directly. My, uh, Personal email is drew at wewhistle.com and our URL is wewhistle.com. You can come and check us out and come see what we're doing and we'll walk you through it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Gene, thank you. This was great.